0: Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of the Monstrology Podcast. My name is Will King, and I will be one of your hosts.
1: My name is Madra McCabe, and I am also one of your hosts.
0: And um, we are uh, a couple of actors, a couple of uh, artsy, nerdy people, and we're going to be taking you through uh, all sorts of different monsters. Um, So here's the format of the show uh, to those of you Uh, who don't know anything about this, which should be everyone. Um, There's basically three parts. We're going to talk through the history of the monster. We're going to go through the pop culture of the monster. And then we are going to learn. I am very excited about this. I did a lot of sleuthing. I had to go through um, a very fierce underground network of uh, chain of command here to to get access to this, but we are going to be meeting some monsters. I'm kind of thrilled. Uh, honestly, Madren, I'm, I'm shocked that we we're able to do this. I guess we have um, some, some good supporters and uh, I've sent some interns out to, uh, to set them up. Um, today, we are going to be uh, meeting with Zoot Crenshaw and uh, Zoot is a goblin. That's right. So today's episode is goblins. And now I'm going to uh, go for the very first time to our theme song. And welcome back. So yes, that was our theme song for monstrology. And uh, we're going to get started. So Madrin, I have looked up a bunch of stuff on the internet about goblins. And Me too! I'll be honest that I did not realize how much of an umbrella term goblin was.
1: Yes. Yeah, it turns out that goblins, there are like six different versions of them or six different names for them. And they're all kind of interchangeably used depending on what part of the world you're from or what even the time era seems to be.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's insanely far reaching. Uh, I found really interesting. Like I think when I think of goblins off the jump, I basically think of little green mischievous things. Um, Usually
1: obsessed with gold and tricking people.
0: Yes, and uh, sometimes thievery, uh, but there's a bunch mm-hmm. of different types of goblins. So I've got a few different types. Uh, who wants to go first? Do you want to share some of your findings or should I jump in and share? Because I've got a bunch of weird goblins from different places in the world. And I'm curious. I feel like we're going to have some overlap uh, for sure. And
1: Right. Uh... Well, I think what was most interesting to me is that I couldn't really pin down one specific part of the world that goblins are from. Uh, it appeared, the word goblin appears in mm-hmm. English literature, German literature, French literature, Greek literature. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even a, a pretty strong chance that they're related to gins, which are from like a much more Southern part of the world. So yeah, it's like, it's quite interesting that it seems like, so many different cultures have a different version of goblins.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you get the one from Japan or is that a special thing that I found?
1: No, I heard about, I read about the one from Japan as well too. Um, but you, but, I mean, certainly you, you can talk about the, <laughs> the Japanese one as well. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, well, why don't I maybe go through them individually here? And if you found things that are, past my knowledge, uh, let me know. So the most common,
1: something I can add
2: to
0: the most common, uh, goblin that I found, uh, was probably the English origin goblin. Um, but it seemed to kind of, uh, mutate in the origin of the world and of the word and the, um, like actual goblin itself. So it, it started in 14th century England, and then it seems to be old French. And then also uh, in old French, it's gobelin, And then mm-hmm. uh, Welsh is the coblin, um, And it seems to come from paganism and the idea that there's this uh, kind of natural spirit that you have and a uh, magic at that time. And if you were gonna be pure, then you also had to be unpure. And so they ended up with these things um that could kind of move around and play with um space and kind of mess with you specifically uh there's a few different ones but the I guess the most common one was the the red cap have you heard about this one yes so the red cap is an anglo-scottish goblin and it like lived in castles and it would go around murdering you and then it would soak its cap in the blood of its victims, making Yes, it they
1: dye their hat with your blood, which is where the red cap name comes from.
0: Which is like really gross. <laughs> and and also, then also very... too, I was
1: reading that you they had to kill people fairly regularly because if the blood stain from their hat ran out, like if it washed out or, or wore out somehow... That would kill the red cap itself.
0: Mm -hmm. I also heard that. um, So it's basically impossible to outrun them if they're trying to murder you. The only way to escape is to quote a passage from the Bible, which I guess goes back to this same sense of like paganism and purity and um, like unpurity. And so when they hear the verse from the Bible, they uh, lose a tooth and then they leave the tooth behind and run away. So I also wonder if this like goes down to some sort of weird like tooth fairy connection. I have no idea, but this kind of like, uh, because goblins are so old, it feels like they have origins that like start trailing into different monsters. Um, But I just find that like that image of like a small goblin with a red cap seems to be the most like iconic one, even though there's a whole bunch of other variants. So I feel like that's the most obvious origin for the goblin.
1: That also kind of makes me, just just now this idea came to me, is when we typically see uh, garden gnomes, they're wearing a red hat. Mm -hmm. But of course now our version of a garden gnome is very cute and cuddly, and they're Mm -hmm. just like little friends who hang out in your garden, right? So I just wonder if maybe this, this original idea of the red cap, who was this really awful, murderous, malevolent, horrible creature, has kind of morphed into being what we now look at as, as a garden gnome.
0: I can definitely see that being a way that's traced back. Yeah. And this also kind of, uh, I think, is a good segue into another type of goblin, which is the German goblin, uh, which is the kobold, I believe is how it's pronounced, kobold, kobold. and Kobold, yeah. Yeah. And this is the one that's like a little bit more like the like house elf. Like it's it's the one that lives in your house and you make an offering to them and they start doing things for you and they're a little bit more helpful. So it's like, oh, I left something nice for the kobold and then I found out that they did all my dishes or like they chopped the wood for me. Um, yeah, I was so- reading
1: something that was saying that like the housemaids would leave out little... Um, like the ends of loaves of bread or they would leave out little dishes of milk uh, and that would be like the offering to the cobalt, so that it mm-hmm. would be so that they would sweep out the, the fireplace instead or, or something to that effect, yeah.
0: And I guess it's just that kind of sensibility which again kind of died after the 14th or 15th century which is that it was okay to think about there being gods all around us instead of one singular god so you could pray to like the, the, the goblins in your home and like, give them gifts. And I guess that kind of got wiped out of the world, but the, the idea of these little goblins, I guess, as a deity didn't disappear because uh, they were really interesting. Um, okay. Well, so- yeah.
1: And I think the I think the stories around goblins are, are quite interesting as well too. Um, and then when I was reading, there's also a French version of it.
0: Oh, okay. Um, I don't have the French one. I am curious.
1: Well, actually, I, I should correct myself. It's not even so much that there is a French version of goblins specifically, but there's really strong evidence that it could be a diminutive of an actual proper French name, which is Gobel oh, okay. or often Gobo,
2: uh-huh.
1: um, which referred to people who. S- and so that's where the word goblet comes from. And so mm-hmm. those were people typically who sold cups and, and uh, steins and things like that. So it, oh. that's interesting to me, too, that in there's kind of this French idea that goblets and goblins are probably associated.
0: Hmm. I wonder if that gives them part of their like
1: working class charm. Um, Could be. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, yeah, you know, the nature of, I, well, I think that there's a lot of cultures, especially as we're talking about, you know, we're talking about 11th century and things like that. It wasn't that much to do after the workday was done and after it got dark, right? Because, of course, everything was just by candlelight. I, 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 I often wonder if maybe a lot of these creatures were born out of sitting around getting drunk on beer, Mm -hmm. And, you know, hearing things that go bump in the night and making up stories about what that could be
0: yeah S- speaking of beer i mean i don't know if this falls into pop culture so i'll talk about it now there's there's literally a hobgoblin beer which was Witchwood brewery which i have a, a glass of which will mean nothing to everybody else uh who is listening to <laughs> us audio only uh but it's here i've got water in it at the moment but, for anyone who cares yeah, he's holding bear. up his
1: hobgoblin glass so yeah. that we can all see it what yeah. does the hobgoblin on the in their logo look like though
0: he looks more like the red cap. So it's all white, but it's got this kind of uh, cap. He's carrying an axe. He looks definitely mischievous. And that's why I think it's also interesting that it's a UK brewery. And I think the history of that hobgoblin probably goes back to that place.
1: So he looks um, like he wants to murder you for yeah. your delicious cat dying blood
0: yeah. and also
1: maybe share a beer.
0: And I guess the implication <laughs> is that the brewery <laughs> has some sort of relationship to that. Hopefully there's no like blood in the beer that they brew. One uh, hopes. But one could hope. Um, okay. So let's talk about the Greek goblin, because I think that the story around the Greek goblin is really interesting. Um, this one is the Kali Kinsaros. I-, I did look at the pronunciation. Uh, so I'm fairly certain that it's the Kali Kinsaros. Um, And these uh, goblins uh, dwell underground and their kind of uh, world and I guess kind of mythology is that they stay underground and they spend all year sawing what they believe to be the world tree that holds up the earth. Uh, But for two weeks every year during the winter solstice, they come up to the surface because uh, the sun isn't uh, in its like seasonal movement. And they can like party on the surface. And then they forget about sawing down uh, like the world tree and it heals itself. And so they have to go back down after two weeks and be like, oh, shit, we didn't like cut down the world tree. You know, we got to do this all over again. So their,
1: their goal is to try to cut down the tree that feeds the whole world?
0: Yes. They think that like human civilization is held up by the world tree and they're kind of Under the surface, constantly whittling away at this tree, trying to knock it down and collapse the surface. But for two weeks every year, they come up (laughs) and get distracted, basically, and come back down. And the thing that occurred to me, other than that being really interesting, is that sounds like Santa's elves. Like, I was like, this seems to have a connection to, um, it's Greek, so it's not really actually a connection to that same storyline. But if we go back like 500, 600 years, I think eventually these threads start coming together. And that's the first thing that occurred to me is these elves that come out for this specific time because it seems like it can't be a coincidence that it's over Christmas. Right. And realize that they have to go back down. I mean- And then
1: did, did you say that they start, they party for like two weeks starting around Christmas?
0: Yeah. So they, they come up from December 25th to January 6th because of the winter solstice so it's specifically christmas day too which i think is kind of uh just it's too specific to be a coincidence that those could be unrelated
1: well and also around two weeks after christmas day for us by our calendar now is the epiphany right in um like in in christian culture and so that's yeah, that, I mean, those, yeah, I, I agree with you that those would have to be quite connected, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I find that whole kind of story to be interesting, but it just seems um, like there's got to be some sort of connection there. Right. With the way that that goblin uh, progressed. Um,
2: I have. But that's, you- it,
1: yeah, that's interesting to me that um, in this Greek lore, these goblins are essentially trying to end the world by topping down this tree very slowly, but that they have morphed into, or or they could potentially have morphed into Santa's elves, which are actually supposed to be very helpful little workers. Yes.
0: That's the thing. The only thing that kind of gives me pause is that that the style of the goblins seems different. Like the appearance and the timeline seems to match, but the origin of these goblins seems to definitely been mischievous. Um, because they, they spend their whole It sounds like a Saturday morning cartoon It's like they spend their whole life Just trying to chop down the world And then the, every year they get distracted And start all over again It's like a very so- soft villain um, Alright, so I love those But that's all the information I've got off them.
1: Well, them. But, but we didn't talk about the Japanese one We
0: said okay, that we yes. were going to talk about the Japanese So ones. I'll talk about the Japanese one now um, So these ones are the Tengu Mm-hmm. And they're mountain goblins. So they take two forms, either an old man who has a long nose and walks barefoot or a crow, uh, which has the wings, beak and claws of a bird, but the body of a man. And apparently in the early Tengu legends, like they started fires and kidnapped and ate children, which...
1: That's um, typically that's typically a running theme when it comes to these small mischievous creatures who visit in the night. There's a lot Is that of, they always want to steal children away.
0: What's the deal with that? Yeah, it's like a very uh, iconic part of, I guess, also them being cautionary tales. A lot of these monsters probably exist to teach children what to do and not do. So well, I also think, motivated. too,
1: like, we have to remember that... Um, infant and child mortality rates back when these legends were first come up with were extremely high, right? So, but there weren't, certainly, I don't think people would have considered that there were medical reasons for it. So I think that that they, they made right. or, or or they created these stories to try to explain why their children either died or disappeared in, in the middle of the night.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's an argument to be made that I think a lot of people create their own personal religion or philosophy in response to death or things that they can't explain. So that definitely makes a lot of sense to me.
2: Yeah. Um, I was
0: also
1: reading too that um, there is a version of a goblin in Zimbabwe, and I'm probably going to not pronounce it properly, but it's called a Zikwambo. Okay. Um, That look again, looking back on it, people think that this was a way to explain um, children being born with disabilities, mm. because the, the the thought was that this, this Vic Bombo had impregnated the mother while she was sleeping. And so it wasn't, it wasn't, that was, that was why the child was, had a disability. Right. Is that it wasn't truly human.
0: Right.
2: So That's again, yeah, I think easy. that
1: this is interesting that this are, these are probably just ways that people um, justified or, or gave some kind of credence to what happened to their children in, in early life.
0: Well, there's often it's, that's kind of like a darker part of sci-fi and fantasy too, is that it, it feels like there's, uh, certain authors who have tried to basically like reverse, uh, understand evolution through monsters as well. Like HB Lovecraft was notorious for like, basically coming up with a bunch of stuff that when you look at it, uh, through any lens now it seems basically very racist but the history of some of the monsters that he came up with uh, was he was trying to understand how different races appeared in the world and why people look different and why they behave different and like all of these things so it's interesting to see that goblins could have um, a problematic history in them as well yeah. anyway <laughs> um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we are going to look at all of the different appearances of goblins through pop. Wait, culture. Wait, all? Well, <laughs> all of the ones that I can come up with uh, through pop culture. <laughs> that's that's and, a really uh, long time. Hopefully we'll talk about things that are not deeply problematic. Okay, so goblins in pop culture. Uh, I'll be honest, there's a lot of them, but the very first one that came to mind for me was the Green Goblin because I'm such a nerd and I can't get the idea of like Willem Dafoe's uh, iconic performance of this green mischievous fan out of my head. I also watched it in the past year and was reminded <laughs> about like how good he is, even though the movie itself, although I actually think that those original Spider Spider-Man's are my favorite. Uh, they definitely a bit... have
1: a very Sam Raimi-esque quality yeah, to them. Yeah, it's
0: like it's operatic, like it's a little bit melodramatic. And because CG was not as good, they had to rely on like the tone of the performances to kind of sell, I think, the comic book world. But I mean, what do you think in terms of the Green Goblin? I feel like he's definitely in the kind of red cap, Anglo-Scottish, murderous, troublemaking origin goblin. Like there's all these different types of goblins, but I think the origin has to come from the same ones as the mischievous ones on my uh, beer glass, which uh, um, I could see maybe a couple other ones, but it seems- Definitely
1: definitely the look of the green goblin is typically what one thinks of when they think of a goblin, right? Like the really long nose and the big pointed ears, and he's mm-hmm. got that neon acid green.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Some of the other ones throughout the comics too have given a, like- Softer cap to him, like you can see it fluttering in the wind as he rides around on his glider that he has this kind of closer to like a toque than a, uh, you know, a big metal helmet. Um, There's also a bunch of different um, goblinoids that appear in different things. So there's the Tolkien orcs, Mm -hmm. which I think he even describes as essentially being his version of a goblin in... Uh, the hobbit or in in one of his works, he basically explains in the prologue that they're interchangeable to him.
1: Yeah. Within the Lord of the Rings books, I found this very interesting is our idea of an orc was completely fabricated by Tolkien in those Lord of the Rings books, but within Mm. the books he uses orc and goblin interchangeably. Mm -hmm. So he, I'm sure obviously he was, um, inspired by the legends already existing of these goblins and that sort of thing. And especially, you know, in Tolkien, orcs are born of the earth. So that also really speaks to uh, that idea of like, you know, oftentimes we think of goblins when they're they live in caves or, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, things of that nature as well, too. So I can see where Tolkien got his inspiration in that way.
0: Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that kind of of the earth Quality. I guess that goes back to kind of my uh, Greek goblins um, from living underground. Yeah. Um, and
1: also too, in, in what we were talking about where a, l- a lot of the times with these monsters and the mythology, there has to be, there, there's that polarity, right? So like there's the, the evil version of things to counter the good version of things. Mm-hmm. And definitely the orcs of Lord of the Rings are, de- are very much the evil, right? They're They're born simply for destruction.
0: Yeah. And it seems uh, it's interesting, though, that like, I wonder if there would be the word orc in like World of Warcraft or Magic the Gathering, uh, if not for Tolkien, and if it wouldn't just be Goblin, because I feel like definitely our idea,
1: definitely our modern pop culture idea of what an orc is now. I I would 100% give credit to Tolkien for that because there was nothing else like orcs before Lord of the Rings.
0: But I feel like at this point, it's more public knowledge what an orc is than a goblin. Maybe that's yes. just me, but I think it's it's really taken off in the past, I don't know, 30 years, just in video games and like goblinoids, like the idea that it's a species of variants um, that includes different things, but orc is probably the most common one.
1: Certainly two of the games that I most prominently play Mm -hmm. feature orcs heavily quite heavily um being and and you also will also place this game with me and we're part of the same tabletop role-playing group uh currently we're playing shadow run and so orcs are very much a part of that world uh and then i have obsessively been playing elder scrolls games for Mm -hmm. the last 15 years or so um and what's interesting is within the elder scrolls world there are orcs who are actually far more humanoid like they are people, right? They they live in cities and they wear armor and they have jobs and they speak English to everybody and, and they, they participate in society just as much as the humans and the elves do.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but within Elder Scrolls, there are also specifically goblins. Right. Which are far more um, primitive in, in the way that they're depicted. Uh, they don't, so uh, typically you find them in caves or they've taken over abandoned mines. Occasionally, you can find them out in the world and forests and that sort of thing, but they'll only have built very rudimentary shelters made out of animal skins and logs and things like, that. they'll have been built tents in that way. Um, but they have no language that anybody else can understand. They But they seem to have some sort of way of communicating with each other.
0: Where orcs, I guess, are more humanoid in both size and, Kind of presence and intelligence level. Yes. Yeah. So that's interesting, the distinctions that people have made with goblins, as I find there's so many variants in video games, but I would agree that that's just common across a lot of other things. I think of goblins as being, in a modern sense in video games, as kind of magicless or magic resistant, smaller, and just kind of hiding in dark places, whereas orcs are not necessarily equal members of society, unfortunately, at all games, but that they have kind of um, turned themselves into like travelers, you know, who can communicate and go to different places, even if their um, world and their history is different. Like they, they're becoming their own kind of um, dominant group.
1: Yeah. Now the Elder Scrolls goblins do do have magic. They do have shamans within their worlds who are often... They seem to be the leaders of these groups, Mm -hmm. but they're very, um, they're, they're very rudimentary in the way that they exist within this world. Like if you, as a player happen upon a group of goblins, they immediately start attacking you. There's no way to communicate with them. Right. They, they just will attack you until one of you dies, but they do have the ability to use rudimentary magic like they'll have fireballs they, mm-hmm. they typically that's the kind of magic that they have and they do use the same kinds of weapons that you as a player use so they'll use a bow and arrow they'll use a sword they'll use a dagger things like that okay
0: speaking of humanoid goblins uh in preparation for this I also re-watched labyrinth uh, oh. I don't know if you've seen that I hadn't seen it since I was a kid and um It's all of these puppets and all of these variants of goblins, but for whatever reason, Bowie is just a human man.
1: He's just a guy Um, in some white leggings. Yeah, and it's like,
0: I I mean, it's interesting because of all the Henson puppets that, in some ways, that movie takes on the the Muppets meta quality, where it opens with her being like, "Oh, I forgot my line in this book," and then she somehow knows (laughs) the exact words to summon the goblins. Um, But I did find it interesting that in that movie there just isn't a lot of common big blockbuster movies where they're actually just goblins and not orcs or other variants. Like he is the goblin King. Um, There's another, I think movie uh, Scooby-Doo and the goblin King, like the idea that this mischievous uh, kind of King or um, emperor or whatever rules all over this society of nefarious little goblins. Um, And I think that's really fascinating too. Like I can't find in the early origins of the goblin in the 14th century that they had a goblin king. Although there is, I guess, literature that supports that there would be a goblin king. It seems- No, you're right. Nothing else that I encountered.
1: Yeah. Nothing that I ever read about ever indicated that they even had, like that they had any, because a king also, that would, that implies that there's some kind of societal structure as well yeah. too, right? And so nothing that I read about said even really that they lived as as part of a family unit or that they were part of any kind no. of community unit. You usually hear about goblins just living individually by themselves.
0: Right. And so I'm curious if maybe that's something that storytellers just evolved with the goblins over time where they're like, well, we need a big bad, you know, like we need a big scarier uh, goblin. Okay, let's create a goblin king and then they'll all work for the goblin king. Um, And maybe it's just a device. Uh, Well, it sounds good, right?
2: Goblin King. That sounds good.
0: Oh, he's entertaining. So (laughs) I'm not Mm -hmm. complaining. Um, But that was uh, one of the few uses that I've seen of um, goblins in kind of modern movies. Uh, The other thing, and this is a nerdy theater thing, and maybe you know this already, um, but I had forgotten and I've worked on the show a couple of times. So in Midsummer Night's Dream, Puck defines himself as a hobgoblin, not a a fairy, not anything else. And um, beyond that, even more specifically, his name is Robin Goodfellow, which to me reminds me a lot of Robin Redcap, which is the same character that we talked about from the 14th century that like drenches its hat in blood. And I think that can't be a coincidence because he's an outcast from the fairies and it feels like Shakespeare has really specifically plucked all that info from the 14th century. I just thought- that Well, it sounds
1: a... like, yeah, it sounds like Shakespeare took the version, all the different versions of goblins that he knew- and smushed all the bits that he liked best together mm-hmm. because the hobgoblin typically, those are the ones that we were talking about who are mostly helpful, right? They're mm-hmm. the ones that in exchange for the end of a loaf of bread and a cup of milk would sweep out your chimney for you. Right. And Puck in Midsummer Night's Dream does try to be helpful. He does, <laughs> yeah. right? He's, he says that he's there to, to serve, right?
0: In his own way. But you're
1: right. <laughs> but, but that's the thing is that like, he's not, he's not all that great. At it, which no. is also, which is also potentially why he is an outcast from the rest of the fairies, because he's not right. quite the like the rest of them. Right? He tries his best, but he's not that great at it.
0: Well, he's always still got this kind of rebellious personality. At least when I can think of that, that initial scene where I think he comes in, he's talking to the other fairies like Peace Blossom and Mustard Seed or whatever, and it just feels like he's not welcome there. <laughs> like he's no. not, he's not one of them, but he's also very different and I think possesses a certain malice or evil that isn't like respected uh, amongst the group, which I think actually brings such clarity to that character in a way too.
1: Definitely, I would say he has a a mischievous part to him, which I think dips into malevolence sometimes,
2: Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: In in terms of modern pulp culture depictions of goblins, I was also, I remembered, Goblins are actually fairly prominent in the Harry Potter world.
0: Yes. I was going to say, go ahead.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that they're, and the, the way that they look is typically the way that we think of goblins, right? They're quite short. They've got wrinkly skin, not very gray, kind of greenish look to them. No hair, really long pointed nose, really long pointy ears. And typically we'll find them working as bankers or craftspeople, which again goes back to that idea that goblins are obsessed with collecting gold and being around gold and money and that sort of Mm -hmm. thing as well too. And again, it's also interesting that within the way that they're depicted in the Harry Potter world, they are accepted within that world and they do have a function within society, but they're typically again, kind of on the the fringes of society, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's they're it's odd when we see that they're the ones who run Gringotts Bank
0: yeah they're the blue collar workers of the kind of magical universe well blue
1: collar but also it's not like we'll find them like we don't find them in Diagon Alley they're not there making robes and things of that nature right right? um and then isn't um Oh, what's Warwick Davis's character in Harry Potter? Flitwick? Professor Flitwick?
0: He plays a few different characters, I think, in Harry Potter, doesn't he? But yes, I think he is Flitwick. Flitwick. In the the first one, he's more prevalent.
1: Is there a goblin teacher at Hogwarts?
0: So I don't know if there's a goblin teacher, but... I do think that there's another connection to goblins within the Harry Potter universe, although she doesn't call them goblins, which is the house elves. The
1: house elves are very Dobby, much like me, hobgoblins.
0: It's very hobgobliny, y very um, uh, of that world of somebody who's going to help you. It's like the same kind of kobold German offering and you have to give him a sock and then he's free. Like there's, there's so many parallels um, that they're working in Hogwarts and that they're behind the scenes and they're not. Uh, seen or heard like they just kind of quietly do things for you to the point that I think they're not introduced until way later in the books like they don't even know that they were there until they discover that they've been doing
1: no it's not until it's not until Hermione meets Dobby and hears all about the the house elves and she of course not being from the magical world (laughs) originally is horrified because to her perception of it they are enslaved Mm -hmm. And it's only then that she starts investigating and we find out that, yes, there are actually house goblins who run Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. And you're right, too, in a very hobgoblin hobgobliny way, <laughs> they do all of those domestic chores just in exchange for food, mm-hmm. like basic sustenance.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing that's interesting, too, is, you know we don't know whether they actually enjoy it or not. Like the thing with Dobby, he's always being like, but I want to, like, this is what I want to do. So we don't know if like, if he's happier doing that stuff or I think he seems happier with his freedom because it's, it's a privilege. And I think that's where they go with it. Um, but it seems like that's how their brains are kind of hardwired too. Like that seems to be a part of their identity.
1: And also within the Harry Potter world, not unlike Puck, Dobby seems uh, like he's um. He's a different kind of house elf. Right. Right. He actually, he goes, he takes it upon himself to approach Harry because he, he reveres Harry and he, and has heard about so much about, you know, that he's this hero
2: mm-hmm.
1: and bef- and befriends him, but none of the other house elves want anything to do
0: with that. No, because they seem to be a lot more private and a lot more focused on just keeping about their business.
1: Yeah. So is that a, uh, a house elf hobgoblin trait? I guess And this then is we, a kind we just of, uh, tend to meet, yeah, we tend to meet these ones who <laughs> who live outside the fringes of their typical society, or is it just that they just don't know what they don't know?
0: I guess this is kind of a nature or nurture debate, because we could argue that <laughs> yeah. n- naturally they just want to be like enslaved and work, but it also could just be like they were taught to do that their whole life. So maybe uh, everyone at Hogwarts is just horrible. Uh, that's also possible too. Um, okay. There is another very specific instance of something that reminds me of a goblin and I could find the origin that even used the word goblin that I think is probably a part of your pop culture awareness. And that is Smurfs. I found in the 1970s, there is a book um, from London and their merry-go-round like his publishing group that it was called Dilly Duckling and the Goblins instead of Smurfs. And Smurf comes from like Dutch and French origin. But in, in the first trans, uh, translation and release, it was just goblin. And I read the book and it just sounds like all the things that we're describing about goblins where they live in the woods. And there's even all these different variants of goblins. There's the leader of their goblins, um, Papa Smurf or Papa Goblin or whatever it was. But he's the one that has the red hat, right? He wears red. Oh, right. Just like, just like um, the red cap. And I, the the thing that tipped me off about this is I was researching goblins and somewhere it said that a female goblin was a goblet. And I was like, or gobette. And I was like, oh, like Like Smurfette.
1: Smurfette. (laughs) And then
0: I looked it up and I was like, oh, like Smurfette. (laughs) So um, I have a very specific question for our guest later, which is, (laughs) it's like there's Smurfette situation going on with goblins. Like what is what is the deal there? Wait, um, are you
1: going to ask our guest how he procreates? No, 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 no. I just want to know how many
0: goblets or gobets are around and if they have distinct identities or if they're just the one female of the group. Look, it's, it's purely a fact-finding inquiry, mm-hmm. but the, the people need to know. The uh, people.
2: Yeah. The people
1: are Will.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm a people. Yeah, I count. <laughs> um. All right, that's all of the pop culture that I dived into. The one that I thought was most obscure was the Smurfs, and I'm going to stick with that. Madryn, do you have any other pop culture uh, in Goblins that you'd like to share?
1: No, I think we hit on all the Goblins that I know about.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there's more, and maybe we'll dive into that another day. Uh, But right now, we're going to take another break. And when we are back, we are going to meet with Zoot Crenshaw the Goblin. All right, welcome back to Monstrology. And uh, we, I am very thrilled uh, to say, are joined by Zoot Crenshaw. Zoot, uh, how are you doing today? Yeah, how you doing? Hello? Yeah, I can, Hello? I can hear you now. It, it, cut, it cut out can there for a second, me? Zoot. Uh, I, I think you're still there.
3: <laughs> this is intern, yes. he doesn't know what he's doing.
0: Yes, yeah, so, uh, okay, so uh, for the listeners at home, um, We have decided to uh, distance from Zoot uh, just for our own well-being, without having enough clarity. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Well, that's also the other thing I'm sure is Zoot doesn't want to get the the coronavirus. Uh, But Zoot, we also don't want to be um, eaten or attacked. Uh, I mean, no offense in that, but I don't know which type of goblin you are. And so for our own well-being and the longevity of our podcast, we decided to do this remotely. Um. Is the intern okay? Are they doing okay over there? Uh, it's fine. Okay, good. How,
1: how red is your hat right now?
3: Oh, no, no. I don't got that.
0: No right, red hat. Right. Okay, so okay. we're we're off for a good start here. It seems like there's no no red hats. We can probably cross the uh, red cap um, portion of this style of goblin off. Okay. So... No, no. That's
3: mostly mythical. A lot of us like to just sport a good old-fashioned comb over.
0: Okay, good, good, a comb-over. <laughs> that's, that's a good impl- uh, implication for a, a goblin. So you're saying m- many goblins have two things, <laughs> one, uh, hair, and two, uh, not enough hair to the point that they all have comb Is it common? Oh, or are you kind Not of enough disabled? hair, Well,
3: like just enough, just enough hair. Just <laughs> okay. enough. My wife has the most beautiful comb-over you ever seen. And I would okay. say, so- yeah, we, we may lack hair, uh, but uh, we, we have lots of style. Okay, sweet. So, yeah. so
1: you're married then?
3: Oh, yeah.
0: Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what, what's your... Uh, what? What's what are, the problem with that? What, you don't think I can oh, get married? No, I love it. Uh, what is your wife's name or I, uh, your partner's name?
2: Uh, yeah, uh, it's Zoot Crenshaw. <laughs>
0: Sorry, your partner's name is also Zoot and your name is Zoot. Did I stutter? No, <laughs> I, guess, uh, I guess you were meant for each other. Uh, there's definitely a clear connection there. Mm-hmm. How many of your friends are also named Zoot, or is it just the two of you?
3: Uh, okay, one second. Well, there's Zoot, 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 uh, Zoot. Well, there's a few of us.
0: How many of them
3: are not named Zoot? Oh, well, yeah, it's not, not, not maybe, it's like you're John. Everybody's named John, All John right. this, John that, John that, Zoot. Okay,
0: okay, so Zoot, Zoot. Okay, I have to say, there's not a lot of Zoot's where I'm from. Imagine, have you known a Zoot before?
1: Uh, just just the guy from the Muppets. And I, it's not that I know him personally. That's just, he's the only Zoot that I'm aware of. Right.
0: So I have to ask, where are you from, Zoot, in, in this world's uh, globe? Is there a country that you came from? Are you a traveler? Are you a bit nomadic? Where's your origin, Zoot?
3: Oh, a faraway land called Nantucket, New England.
0: Okay, Nantucket. Um, that's interesting.
1: What? uh, What kind of dwelling
3: do you have? Because Nantucket goblins.
1: (laughs) Well. Yeah, what, what kind of dwelling do you have? Because, of course, much of what we were reading about, uh, goblins typically live in caves and mines and, and underground dark places. Is that true?
0: Oh, yeah, just about. So it's not like a bungalow? Yeah, the
3: dark the better. No, no, it's a bungalow.
2: Oh, okay, so do
0: you have a bungalow that's built into a cave? Do you have some sort of dwelling that you gonna get the best of both worlds? Or... It's more one way or the other?
3: Yeah, I guess what you could say is that is that I live in the bungalow of caves.
0: Okay, okay. So uh, it's a single floor and it's a little bit cramped and there's not much space for storage. Uh, that, that seems to be uh, the Zoot experience, the bungalow experience. Um, okay, Zoot, so here's the thing <laughs> about goblins that I have... Uh, Researched, but I don't want to make any implications here. Uh, are you a thief? Have you stolen things?
3: Oh yeah, definitely, lots of stuff. It's kind of uh, kind of built into our economy. Okay, y- so your economy
1: saying- is reliant on stealing.
3: Uh, just about, yeah. Um, we're in a sock-based economy. Uh, I, I I noticed you were talking about that a little bit about some socks. Yeah, the house uh, else we're talking about. It. But it's it's a little bit different than that. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, well oh, I yeah, no. still love lots for to, of socks.
3: So I'd love for you to explain it, it, we rely though on that.
0: Please, Zoot, explain uh, your currency to, to us because we use feeble uh, human Canadian dollars, but socks seems to have uh, a lot more interest to me. So I'd love to see how, how many socks does it cost to uh, buy a hamburger, for example.
3: Oh, uh, that's about a sock. Yeah, you're gonna you want to spend a sock on a on a hamburger, but then a combo that's up to ten socks.
0: Well, oh, okay, so in your currency, fries and a drink, drink is, is worth, worth nine socks, but a burger is worth, worth one, one sock.
3: No, 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 no. Burgers with a sock.
0: Right. One one sock for one burger, but but how did you get
3: up to ten socks? Okay, no, no. In- See, you're not paying attention here. It's a burger is a sock, a fry is a sock, and then a drink is eight socks.
0: Okay, so, so it's 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 the drink that put us over the edge. Okay, so yeah, that's it. Did
1: I get some sort
2: of now what about drink? Well, do well, the, actually, when do I the think quality, about it too? I, I want to know the, does the, is the quality
1: like, does the quality of sock have more value? Right, like if I were to find an old sock that had holes in it, uh, is that worth less than you know brand new socks right out of
3: the package? I feel like, like yeah. I mean, the most those star socks are are typically uh, we get most of our socks from like. A business exec because you kind of want the higher quality sock. So I go around, I go around Bay street, I go around wall street. I try and sneak off the socks off the business executives. Cause you're going to get a little more bang out of your sock for that.
0: So hang on, you don't go to like Walmart or winners or, or whatever the equivalent is uh, uh, over there. Uh, you, you go and steal the socks right off their bodies. Now, does that diminish the value if they smell or does that increase the value if they have a personal uh, stench to these types of socks?
3: No, it definitely decreases the value, but you have to understand you get a little bit of thrill after, you know, you're hiding underneath this business executive uh, desk and they come in, they're unsuspecting, they don't really know. And then you're there, got your little fingers out, you're ready to grab at some socks. And then they come, they sit down, you're under the desk and you're kind of excited and you're like... Okay, here we go. And you suddenly just untie the shoes and you slip them off and they don't really understand what's happening. They're sort of like, ooh, a little tickle down there. And then I I yank them, I yank them off and I just like grab and I pull it and I tug, And they go, give me a sock, give me a sock. And they go, ah, and they run out of the room. And I, I can't get, you know, I'm going to have to pay maybe like extra socks for a burger and fry, but hey, what's life if it isn't like exciting?
0: So it seems that you don't have, again, I mean this lightly, you seem to not have a job. Is that true? Or do you also have career aspirations?
3: Man, I just told you. I, and I wait for socks to show themselves. And I, that's my job.
0: Okay. So the job is more of a uh, surveil, hunting, gathering, gathering sock-related sock related. kind of circumstance. Okay, so Zoot. I was talking about something earlier and um, it's really just been sticking in my brain. It's so
3: temperamental over here. Um,
0: what's the deal with goblinettes? So there's a TV show called Smurfs. And on the Smurfs, there's one Smurf who is Smurfette. And, and in my research, reason- I learned that there's also uh, goblinettes And there seems to be a lot of overflow. Uh, Is that true? Is there not a lot of female goblins uh, around you? Or is that just an old uh, legend?
3: No, no, no. smith has got it wrong. There's lots of us out there. There's lots of...
0: He seems to be gone. But hopefully he'll return. He might be uh, yelling at an intern.
1: As as long as he isn't snacking on the intern.
2: Hello?
0: Okay, so zoo. What do you do for fun? What's the type of things that you do on a Saturday night when you're trying to cut loose with your wife or partner, also zoots, and you've got some other friends, zoots, and all you zoots are going out uh, for a night. What does that look like to you?
3: I mean, uh, we'll get together, uh, we'll have like a nice meal over a recently departed friend that we may have slew at and then uh, we'll all get together and put on our suits. And my, my friend Zoot, 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 and Squan will uh, be there. We all got our, our suits on. All your, the your Zoot suits? Zoots, and Squan. And then we'll go out on the town. And is that some, supposed to be some sort of joke?
0: Uh, no. But I, I did have a question. Uh, I have a question here, Zoot. Wait, the Zoot suit? The Zoot suit was meant to be a joke. The rest of it wasn't meant to be a joke. Uh, I don't mean to offend Zoot, I don't know uh, what things uh, kind of uh, trigger you in this way. I just want to take you right back, back, back to, to the, the beginning, beginning of that explanation, explanation which is uh, that you said, um, is this after somebody is deceased or recently deceased or uh, dead? Is, is this something that you did or is this just like after a funeral, you guys go out and party? What is the reason of death here?
3: Yeah, and um, we'll have a sacrificial uh, ceremonial slaying of our best friends and uh, and then hold a little and then we'll split up their sock fortune and then we'll consume the corpse and then head out in our zoot suits
1: so you eat other goblins
0: i have to say his, his silence in this moment is very um damning if he's cheating if he's other yeah. members of his peers the
3: ones that are truly the most amazing which which goblins are the most amazing other zoots oh no it doesn't have to be any of my friends zoot. it's just you know the most wonderfully awful goblins who make us all look bad and so we say oh let's kill that one so that we all look better and they truly deserve to be devoured and uh, suck their bones upon and then uh, and then, yeah, we'll uh, remember them and uh, eat their corpse and uh, burp loudly and uh, get on with our night. So, so saying- this
1: seems like it's some kind of goblin justice.
0: But also just factually, are you saying that they taste better if they're more evil and that there's a correlation to their mischievous nature and I can't believe I'm saying this, the taste of goblin flesh?
3: Oh, no, they don't taste any better, and there's no justice involved in this at all. It's mostly pettiness.
0: Oh, I see. So it just feels good to eat the ones that piss you off. I think that that makes sense. I mean, uh, the cannibalism is a bit of a jump for me, although I'm not even sure if that word applies to non-humanoids. Maybe it's not a cannibalism if it's goblin eating goblin.
3: Oh, no, it's cannibalism.
0: (laughs) Okay, good. I'm glad that we formed that distinction of uh, all moral ambiguity has been removed um, from this goblin experience. Um, If you were to say, see a a goblin movie, for example, Gremlins. Now, I understand they're called gremlins and not goblins. But do you think there's any similarity there? Do do you feel like the world has been fair in your portrayal in pop culture? Or do you think you've been wronged uh, by your appearances
3: in Uh, in the movies? I think the most accurate depiction of who we are is the Cheddar Goblin in the film Mandy. Oh,
1: see, I have not seen that. I'm not familiar with that one.
0: So please tell us a little bit about the Cheddar Goblin in Mandy and how you feel it uh, represents you in an ideal
3: way. Well, I suppose I just have to say that the 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 happy pastime vomiting macaroni. All of so I just think that yeah, it sort of lines up. And all those other ones, they don't really click with it.
0: So, I I guess what we've learned today here, Madrin, is that um, there's really not too much connection to some of the lore, and maybe they've evolved out of some of these more archaic things, um, like. Well, transforming, and it seems like they they still have a bit of a vicious streak. Uh, And they they do like
1: hoarding things, but apparently it's stocks and not gold. Yeah, so, Zoot, do you think that the
0: priorities have just changed here?
3: Well, at the same time, too, I can't totally speak, you know, without bias. Perhaps I'm looking at these films and saying, what awful depictions, and maybe that's exactly what I'm like, and I just can't see it. That's oh, true. that's very insightful. Yeah, it's kind of a curse.
1: We, so you seem to be a rather introspective goblin.
3: Yeah, I uh, spent a lot of time in my bungalow cave, hoarding my socks, just sniffing them and going over my comb over and thinking, thinking, thinking about maybe there's something more out there than just what it is that I've outlined to you today. Well,
0: Zoot, I mean, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask you what you thought that was. Like, what's the next step for you? You've got your your great marriage with Zoot. You've got your uh, horde of Zoot's. You know, you've got your bungalow in the cave. Uh,
3: what's next for you? Yeah, i have really been looking at getting my real estate license.
0: Oh, you want to sell? Now, would you be selling to uh, all sorts of people or to other goblins specifically?
2: Hmm... Uh,
3: the woodland creature uh, market is pretty hot right now. Okay. Uh, literally everything's burning down. So, oh, okay. um, you know. I would
0: imagine that makes it hard to sell though, right? If you're trying to sell to say a fairy or, you know, some sort of demonic entity, it, it, it must be harder to sell a tree that is also on fire.
3: Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm still got to take my, my exam.
0: Right. I guess you've still got to do the uh, paperwork. You know, and one more thing, Zoot, um, that, you know, I, I, I have to say, I've never seen a goblin walking down the street. Imagine, I'm not sure if you have. Uh, no, your, definitely.
1: Your I, I can say with certainty, I have never met a goblin.
0: So do you get funny looks? Do you find that you have to be in hiding, Zoot? Um, have you been accepted by your local society there um, in New England?
3: Oh, no, no. It, half the fun is definitely staying hidden. Okay. So, you know, you just try and like sneak around, go and run underneath benches and into like past bushes and garbage cans, trying to get from one end of town to the other. It's oh. all right, but definitely part of part of the fun.
0: So you don't think that you've been found out there hasn't been any sort of breaking news about goblins in the area. You guys are kind of a secret society at, at the time being.
3: <laughs> uh, now there's definitely people who report on something grabbing my socks and and ripping my shoes off right. but you know nobody ever really catches on to that
1: is that what happens to the socks in the dryer
3: no oh no those are the God. gnomes.
0: okay good <sighs> so, okay because i'm gonna be honest with you zoot if it was you I, I was gonna really gonna change the way that I look at you. Now I can hate gnomes instead. It's gonna be awkward. Um oh, yeah when we, to, when we get to gnomes, but that really pisses me off. You know, when somebody takes my socks and I've just got one sock and
1: And you, you know for sure that you put both socks in the washer and you yeah. put both socks in the dryer and then you take them out and there's only one. Wait, do you
0: okay, so zoot are the gnomes stealing your socks too? Or or do they leave you alone? Oh no, yeah, they're
1: they're off little
3: bastards.
0: Yeah. It's like mice or pests. I mean, I guess there's gnomes everywhere.
3: Because especially too, you know, you're like, you're laundering your socks and, you know, you got to do what you have to do. And uh, then, yeah, you open up, uh, open up the laundry, uh, the, the dryer, and you know, half your stash is gone. And you're just like, hey, I was just trying to clean these up so that they're worth a little bit more. But then little bastards come around and they steal them. Um, you know, I, I hate them. I hate them well, so much.
1: That's very typical of of our experience. I mean, we don't value socks as as currency, but certainly they are worth more to us when they are clean and just toasty warm right out of the dryer. So I guess that gives us something in common that humans and and goblins have that we can um, correlate.
3: Yeah. Well, (laughs) you know, I never would've thought I'd see the day where I I could look at it in that light it's amazing what we can do when we just talk it out and air our grievances.
0: That's right. Yeah, it turns out that uh I didn't think that we would necessarily have a lot of common but we all seem to really appreciate socks. Maybe not No, it's it's experience.
3: really just the socks. I think everything oh. else I, I don't think you could possibly relate to me.
0: Okay. Well, you know, uh <laughs> let look. You've got more real estate than I do, I think, Zoot. So so congratulations on your situation. Uh I have to say, we're at the portion of uh, the show. We're nearing the end where we uh, kind of pitch some things. Um, Zoot, do you have anything going on in your life that you want to pitch to the listeners at home?
3: No, no, just wish me luck on the exam.
0: Yes. Well, Zoot, we really uh, hope that you nail that real estate uh, exam. Bone up
1: on those zoning laws for, for caves versus mines.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And maybe uh, if, if you're lucky, you've got some sort of uh, super villain around that you can sell a nice uh, layer in, in a cliffside cave. I heard those go for a lot. That could be a big ticket uh, in terms of really paying, paying the bills for a couple years. It's like um, the condo of caves. It is. <laughs> it is. Um, Madren, do you have anything that you'd like to pitch to listeners at home?
1: Well, a few weeks ago, I was featured in an episode of a TV show called Dark Side of the 90s. Ooh. So I played, uh, yes, this was the episode that focused on Sub Pop Records. Uh, Sub Pop is the record company that essentially launched the grunge uh, music genre. So they, they're, they're one of their biggest clients. They're one of the first clients was Nirvana. Uh, so that's mainly the focus of the episode. So I play Megan Jasper, who's actually a really interesting real life person at the time in the nineties, she was a receptionist for sub pop. Um, but since then she has actually taken over. She is now, I think their CEO.
2: Oh. Uh, so she
1: runs the company. So it was a very, uh, you know, working your way up through oh, the ranks what power. kind of
0: story. Yeah. It's a little Nirvana origin story. Um I uh how about you? What you got going on? Uh not a well, I just started this thing. It's called Monstrology, it's a podcast. Oh. Uh so I guess I'm pitching that. I hope that people listen to it. Uh of of all uh, monstrous backgrounds, uh, humanoid or otherwise. Um I have a film that's out, I think on Amazon prime right now that I was in, uh, four years ago called the heretics. Um, that's from black bond films and that deals with all sorts of, uh, occult, um, followings there. So I think a lot of horror fans listening to this might uh, want to check that out and give it a watch. Very
1: thematically appropriate.
0: That's right. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I can't wait to do some more episodes of monstrology. If you enjoyed what you were listening to today, uh, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to make sure that you learn about new monsters each and every week. Uh, Madrin, thank you for being our co-host today and uh, Zoot, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to uh, break your long held uh, goblin silence and, and speak out and give some information to the people so that we can uh, understand you a little bit better. And uh, we'll put this information right into the archives.
3: Absolutely, I will probably be shunned.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we, we we thank you, and um, you know, you can join uh, the long list of monsters who also may be uh, shunned from the society for sharing their secrets. Um, if you could please uh, just just pack up that equipment and give it back to the intern, and um, you know, uh, don't don't do too much. Uh, just let them kind of walk out the door. Uh, that would be great.
1: Maybe maybe set him on the least, the path of least resistance out of your, uh, let's say, uh, lair.
0: Yeah, sure. Okay, great. Well, uh, we'll look forward to getting that uh, recording back from the intern. And uh, we'll see you guys next, uh, not next week, in two weeks on the next episode of Monstrology. Bye.